0: Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world with your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for
1: general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Thanks for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we have Kath Gallant from Blue Moon Evolution, a farm-to-table restaurant in Exeter, New Hampshire. Kath, thanks so much for being here. You're
0: welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted, really.
1: This is so exciting for me because uh, we've known each other now for probably... years. (laughs) Six years. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think so. I think so. We've been, um, we actually discovered Blue Moon Evolution, the restaurant, um, when we were in Connecticut, when we lived in Connecticut. And we would come up to Portsmouth, New Hampshire for the weekend. And uh, very quickly, uh, your restaurant actually became the reason for our visit. So oh, that <laughs> it's something. one of our favorite in the that. country. <laughs> yeah, it was great because, you know. Um, you know, being like gluten sensitive and, you know, wanting to eat, you know, organically and and farm to table. So hard to find good places, uh, especially in that area when we were kind of new. Right. um, You know, and there weren't that many five or six years ago um, in the Portsmouth area. There just weren't. And so that was really uh, one thing. Like the first trip that we came up there, we came to the restaurant and it was just like, being in your home. It was such a warm, welcoming, fabulous experience. We were like, oh yeah. Thanks. This is we're coming back. Thanks.
0: Well, you know, I do recognize that we truly were pioneers in the farm to table movement. We took a leap of faith. Really, we had been in business for 15 years as a natural foods market cafe.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it was uh, 2010. Oh, this is my Jack Russell Terrier? I have to quiet him. Uh, <laughs> Hello, little one. 2010. Uh, it was really a, a combination of things from you know viewing Food Inc. Uh, and realizing that our food economy was really in a dire straits. And mm-hmm. I lived in this bubble of my natural foods world, but I also attended the first National Slow Money Conference in Shelton, uh-huh. Vermont. And Bill McKibben said, take 10-10-10, October 10th, Mm -hmm. 2010, and do one thing to make a difference in your life. And I sat in that audience because I'd been really contemplating going from a market to a full-service restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I decided in the audience that that would be my action for 10-10-10.
1: Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: and so on September 25th, my 52nd birthday, you know, coming of age, um, I dissolved the market, and we built out a full restaurant, and we sourced local, and we are committed to organic on top of the um, local sourcing. So Mm -hmm. I think, and even today, I think we still hold that edge that i'm committed to you know not only knowing your farmer but how your farmer treats the land and and the end result there so it's been kind of a long and, and actually my i have children you know in their 30s and they were the ones that said you know we were blue moon natural foods and they said mom we've got to commit to this local sourcing know your farmer and we've called it evolution so that hence is uh blue moon evolution
1: i love that yeah it's
0: a good thing huh
1: It is a good thing, and you know, it really is, it is such a family endeavor, and and your customers feel that. I mean, I know so many that were at the market before they knew you, they knew your family, but for a newcomer to the area, I mean, it was like, it was kind of a home away from home. I mean, we would... And of course, we would roll in there sometimes after tending to our own farm and exhausted and right. <laughs> dirty and <laughs> worn out, and you know, just kind of slink in the back by the bar. And it, it was the most generous, wonderful, welcoming, warming, nourishing service and food that really like kept us going in many times. Okay. So it was
0: thanks, Andy. But you
1: know what? I remember seeing your name written down, and I'm like.
0: Because truly, we do believe it is about the love on top of it, the energy behind how the food is prepared, the energy how the food is grown, you know, and I'm like, I've got to meet this Amy love <laughs> and your name drew me to you. And I, I remember very clearly the first time we met and mm-hmm. and it
1: was a, a, a special moment. So thanks. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I just, like I said, your your restaurant is one of our favorite in the country, and I can't wait till we're back up there and we wow. can come see everybody. But, you know, it's, it is about a movement, and I think what's so powerful about what you said, I mean, a lot of people listening, we can't just, like, start a restaurant, but it's that taking a step. It's that committing and taking a leap. Right, right. I do believe in,
0: really, um, I know we'll get into this, but – uh, for the, I've, I partnered with a woman for about four years on a health and wellness program, and we did the food and health forum where we had dinner lecture series, and we had great speakers. We had Jim Garrison, an organic potato farmer mm-hmm. from Northern mm-hmm. Maine, who was actually one of the original um, signers of the group that's suing Monsanto for uh, patent infringement, and, and we had Gary Hirschberg, the CEO of stony Mm -hmm. field and great movers and shakers a lot of vermont movers and shakers and um you know we created a program to help people every day create Mm -hmm. change and i think you know we'd probably agree but we would say change one thing you don't have to change the world in a day but pick one thing to change for your well-being and everything else will be affected So we're real proponents of not, you know, you don't have to, you don't, people get overwhelmed, I think, by the amount that they know they would like to change in their life. But it it can be so much simpler than that.
1: And Mm -hmm. really just, you know, keeping, start with one thing. I guess that would be my advice. I love that and it's I mean that's powerful because it's something everybody can do. Sure. It's something that we can do today. Right? Right. You know, I mean actually I'm going to throw down the challenge to anyone listening like change one thing today. What can you change? Go on um, go on social media, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag change one thing uh-huh. and tell me what you did today. I want to know. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's a I great think that's thing. Amazing. And, and um, maybe it's even eliminating one thing, like
0: starting with one thing that you know isn't serving you um, and just taking it out of the picture, you know. So yes. it's it's not everything. It's
1: it's one step at a time, and, and it does yeah. all add up. I love that. And, you know, I mean, I think so many people can, can resonate with what you're saying about, you know, you're watching Food, Inc., you're watching these things kind of, you know, all this information's coming in, it's overwhelming. It's like what do I do? Right. How can I change? How you know, I want to because I want to be part of the solution. Right. And they aren't sure where to get started. So pick one thing. I love that. And we're gonna to put together on the show notes, we'll put together a link to some ideas of things that you can do. If you're sitting there going, Hmm, I'm not right. sure what to do or what to take away. I was doing the same we're- thing. Right. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> I love it. Yeah. We'll put that together in the show notes for everybody listening. There'll be a list there and the hashtag again, change one thing. All of that will be there. And we're just going to start this challenge right now awesome. on the fly. Awesome.
0: We would <laughs> Why say not? A- another little thing, you know, in our dig in program, we always said the power is on your plate and mm-hmm. really where your money goes is a huge, powerful tool. And so to direct your sales as simple as one sale toward a local farmer, a local purveyor, um, eliminating one processed food from your purchasing, you know, because you know that it's something you should do without, uh, is a really, really powerful thing to do.
1: And that's just going to snowball because, you know, as you do one thing and you feel empowered and you feel inspired, you go, well, what if I can tackle one more thing? Right. And then what one more? Because a lot of us look at the problem, you know, in the food system. And I mean, it's a mountain. Right. It's a it's bigger than a mountain. Right. So to try to move that. It's, it's overwhelming, you feel defeated, and a lot of times you toil away trying to make these changes, and you don't feel like you're really influencing much.
0: Well, and I think that you feel um, powerless, because it mm-hmm. is so huge, but, you know, it's many hands, and it's... it's- you know, never doubt that a group of small concerned citizens, you know, can make a difference because we, that is what makes a difference. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been in this movement um, for 20 years and we plugged along and we were a small minority of organic, you know, people who cared about how our food was grown and how the earth was treated. And it is and where are the young farmers? And, you know, um, it was actually at the showing of Food, Inc. that they had a panel discussion after. It was in two thousand September of 2009, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the farmers spoke, and he said, in our local food economy, if something doesn't change, there won't be one. And, wow. And it was a powerful statement. It was true. and. When we look back on that today, because we had this huge upsurge of young farmers Mm -hmm. and maybe a tribute to the Food Network, uh, also an upsurge of people who want to learn how to cook. I mean, yes, they said that it was four generations that of families who don't know how to cook. I mean, back in the 60s, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's it's it takes time, but it is happening and it's incredibly
1: exciting to be. A part of the upswing and I'm, yes I'm grateful really yeah it's been a really amazing thing and you know I mean I I know that we haven't been in it near as long as you have I mean we started changing our lives our lifestyle um, maybe seven eight years ago and so to even in that short time, things have changed. And of course, right. you know, we got involved in in farming and all that. Like for us, it started with oh, we're just changing our diet because of some food allergy testings, and it went all the way to moving to New Hampshire and starting a, an organic farm to be so the who, farmer. <laughs> who would have ever dreamed, you know, um, two people from suburbia, you know, uh-huh. moving to the country, but. You know, at the time, it was our answer because we couldn't source what we wanted. We wanted heritage breed, organic, pasture-raised, soy-free, hard to find.
0: Right, and, you know, you bring that up, there was a time that um, in the very beginning, we had an organic farmer that we bartered with, and you know, lettuce for cinnamon raisin bread, and <laughs> um, he kind of dissolved, and the demand began, but in the early days of the farmer's market, the... the the farmers could sell everything they grew at the market, which was their highest price point. And mm-hmm. us being a restaurant, we usually got a wholesale price and whatever they had. There was nothing, you know. Um, and so we started our own garden so that we could just source ourselves quality, the local food that we wanted. Um, and it's awesome today to think, you know, we still run our garden. We have about mm-hmm. an acre and a half Um and we have staff, staff from our restaurant that uh, work it and for a meager pay, honestly, but they love <laughs> getting their hands in the dirt or saying that the garlic on the table was harvested, you know, by our team or the flowers mm-hmm. or the herbs and just the connection, you know, mm-hmm. connection to the earth is, is this precious thing. So oh, it's huge. We still foster it, but, you know, to have witnessed that, to not be able to
1: source the food you want,
0: so sometimes you have to dig deep, right?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And just do it yourself. <laughs> right, when all out fails. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I love that. And I mean, you guys even expanded at first, I think you were just a dinner restaurant, and then you expanded to offer lunch, um, which was another, filling another need in the community. Because I know for us, um, trying to find farm-to-table places at lunch has always been a challenge. Yeah. Um, because usually that's, you know, in the domain of dinner, and it's usually a little bit more of an event, you know, you need to make reservations and plan ahead, and for lunch, sometimes, I, I mean, I would find myself out running errands, and especially because we lived in the middle of the woods, right. you know, we'd come to town, right. and uh, there weren't really a lot of places to go, so when you guys started doing that, well, you know, you know I think you've... Oh, I apologize
0: for interrupting. We um, have done lunch for 20 years. I don't know if you knew that. When we were no. a Natural Foods Market Cafe... We were a lunch spot. We have actually gotten the best of New Hampshire for our soup a few times over. Um, So we have always done lunch. I mean, maybe the first few months of our opening when we were getting our kitchen set up was the beginning. Uh, But we have been known for our soups for decades. Um, Mm, Your soups are (laughs) amazing. Well, and mostly because they use what's in abundance. Uh, We don't have any... I mean, the the soups change daily according to uh, what we have to cook with. And whether it's pumpkin bisque or gazpacho in the summer, you know, Mm -hmm. when it's tomato season, we make tomato soup. And when it's not, we don't. (laughs) Exactly. You're
1: not going to find that in February. Right. Well, you might get the warm, actually, as I'm saying that. I'm thinking, (laughs) but not gazpacho. (laughs) anyway. Yeah, that's really something. Um, you know, I just I, I remember coming in, and I think it might have been one of the first times, and and you had that map, um, oh, yeah. you know, the source map. Right. And I'm gonna put that a link to that on the show notes because that is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and did you ever think like well, when you started, it would you know develop we were trying a... to
0: make a simple way for people to understand where their food was coming from. And mm-hmm. uh, actually it was Amelia, one of our servers who's wonderful and also heads the garden team. She's been with mm-hmm. us for over five years um, one of our mixologists as well she's just uh, an amazing she's amazing person on our team. Um, you know she took on the, the project and it was, beautiful and it was you know the roots it was the grassroots of that Mm -hmm. like saying look this is where your your beer is from your bread is from this is where your pumpkins came from you know this is where we are sourcing the meats Um, and people were truly amazed by it and I think it is empowering to realize that within a very small circle you can you know get everything you need Mm -hmm. here in New Hampshire anyway I know it's not true everywhere but um, and you know what, it reminds me of because we've been involved in the slow food movement for decades as well. Um, you know, we used to do the hundred mile Thanksgiving and think it was so fantastic, and now we're down to the 25 mile Thanksgiving.
1: So, isn't <laughs> wow, something? that's amazing! That's really amazing. Yeah, good stuff. It's incredible, and you know, I think. The thing that's so exciting about local food, I mean, besides, of course, the health benefits and the and the benefits to our, you know, our earth, the animals, the farmers, like, I mean, of course, we know that, but it's really diving in and getting involved. It's really building a community. Right, right, right. That was one thing we loved in, on, in the Seacoast area, um, New Hampshire Seacoast area was that, and really Maine, too, but it was really all about the local food, the local community. A lot of times I think that especially in Maine that had arisen from kind of a need because they were kind of isolated. And so right. you have all these markets even through I mean, we were amazed that you'd have these huge winter markets because we do you know when, Yeah, it was incredible. Well you know it's
0: funny because when Jim Garriston came down, you know, we live in a bubble, right? And mm-hmm. he came and he said, Your local seacoast food economy is one of the most vital in the country. And I mm-hmm. said, really? Like, this isn't happening everywhere? And he said, What you have created is a template for other communities. So, our, and we had really dynamic, serious Zoe Patterson, you know, the EcoSteat mm-hmm. local group that have worked for years at developing this year round market model. And now, uh, actually, it was three years ago, was the first year that we had carrots through the whole winter season. Wow. And it was you know we did carrot soup and we would give recipes <laughs> out and then uh last year was the first year we had butternut all year long and wow. late in the market there were onions and because they're supported year round they mm-hmm. have started adapting their growing to to meet the needs and it's and we and when I go to the farmer's market, you know, there's they're mobbed, and everyone most often they sell out. And I'm trying to – I was in Florida, mm-hmm. St. Augustine, with my, at my brother's, and I said, oh, it's Farmer's Market Day. And we went, and it was under a highway overpass, you know, and there were like mm-hmm. six booths, and there was no one there. And mm-hmm. things were sort of like Driscoll strawberries and – I was like, wow! Here I am in yeah. Florida, where they grow year round, mm-hmm. and this is it. This so, is
1: what they have. Yeah. So it's still,
0: you know, it's still forming and growing, and um, you know, it's it's happening. But it takes people being willing to give a little yeah. to foster the movement, really. Yeah, it is,
1: and it, and it takes the consumers, it takes all of us going in and shopping mm-hmm. at the farmer's market and getting there and, you know, understanding that it, there's bumps in the road and that, you know, you might not always have everything that you want at the market. Right. Um, go to the market first is what I yes. would say is That's going and get everything
0: you can at the market and then if you have things you need to go to at the
1: regular supermarket, mm-hmm. go there out. the gap. Yeah, yeah, that's my tip on that world. That's a good one. I like that because, uh, you know, a lot of people will discover new vegetables that they've never even heard of, you exactly. know, things that, yeah, that they weren't planning on cooking that week. But all of a sudden this is in season and look at this bumper crop and so take advantage. Yeah, it's funny you would say that because last year one day we were
0: the market greeters and they did a taste testing and they did kohlrabi. And mm-hmm. the kids voted it their number one favorite vegetable. Now, I mean, if you know what a kohlrabi looks like, it looks like something from an, another planet. I it think does. It's a very strange looking round vegetable with these little things on, tags on the side of it, like some Asian food that you've never seen. But it's crunchy, crispy, yeah. apple-like, you know, um, delicious in a salad. And who knew? you know right. so going from not even knowing what kohlrabi was for the kids to say this is my favorite taste
1: that's amazing yeah and
0: that's that's experimenting and exploring and
1: being willing to again take that leap of faith yeah and i think how fun you know for the children and how great for parents you know parents are always asking me how do i get my kids to eat veggies and i said well get them involved exactly. you know get them Yeah, get them picking it out at the market, get them helping plant um, a few seeds in the backyard, in a little backyard garden. Exactly. kids love it. It, They love it. They do.
0: And even, you know, grating that carrot for the salad for dinner, and then Mm -hmm. they own it. And, you know, I had some beautiful experiences in our garden where we had a group come in. um, Actually, it was... uh, women who were in need of a safe place while they were pregnant or had a child under one year old. So it was this Mm -hmm. very focused young mother group, and they were teaching them about nutrition. And we donated food to this group for a year. And at the end of the year, a group of women who lived there came out to visit the garden. And honestly, if you can believe it, there was one woman who had never eaten a tomato And so she had her first warm cherry tomato off the vine. Oh, my goodness. And it was a moment, and she loved it. And it was like, but she trusted it. She could see where it was growing. She, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there are so many food phobias because kids today are given so many different foods processed that they don't trust it. Their body doesn't trust it. Mm -hmm. We need to... Keep it simple and help them build that trust to understand their food and pick the apples and you know eat them or bake, the, bake an apple or make applesauce you know to connect their food to a place to the mm-hmm. and then I always go back to the earth it's really our connection with the earth really and yeah. I think we we we've lost that in so many ways
1: yeah. yes. And it's powerful. You know, I mean, that's something that, you know, I don't think we even realized before we started the farm, how disconnected we were because we made efforts to get outside and take walks in nature and all of these things. But when we were actually starting the farm and, and doing gardening and all of these things, it was like, your hands are actually in the earth. Mm -hmm. You're actually out at sunrise at sunset. You're watching the natural cycles. You're very attuned with what's going on in your environment and it was such a shift for us and it was like really um, supportive and rejuvenating and I would say one of the things that many times kept us going because it was so beautiful. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I, nature's solace for me is, you know, mm-hmm. in my darkest moments, I have sought the woods, you know, I, and right. I am comforted by being in the moment, and everything is fine and beautiful, and and I'm in awe of it, and I think it's, um, it it fortifies us to kind of withstand the challenges
1: of life, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it takes us out of ourselves in that sure. moment, like you said, you can look away around and see that everything is all right, you know, that things are actually really thriving, and that, you know, if you look long enough, there's these systems going on, and you can see how things are interacting, and, you know, one thing that's kind of gotten us through, and especially as we've been doing our Real Food Road Trip and and going to so many different areas, it's been really, like, awe-inspiring because you see these mountains, you know, Mm -hmm. in there since forever, and think of all the earthly conflicts yeah. that they've seen. Your, your
0: photographs are really spectacular.
1: Oh, thank I love you. I, just
0: <laughs> I wish I were in the back seat. So
1: <laughs> well, you I know, it, so with it that.
0: reminds me, um, I was asked years ago to prepare a dinner for a woman's 60th birthday party. They were my mm-hmm. neighbors, and they were great organic gardeners. They, He was a professional. They were both professionals, but they were in the garden every day. It was really their meditative place, and they knew mm-hmm. enough to be organic for years before it was really a common fra- You know, thought. And so I said, well, I have to have something from your garden. It was actually like October, November when the party was. And mm-hmm. I said, I've got to have something from the garden for Jean's birthday because it's so much a part of her. And they said, well, we still have leeks in the garden. I said, great, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do something with the leeks. And they harvested a big bunch of leeks, and honest to God, they had to be four feet tall. And oh my I cleaned them, and I laid them out on my counter to before I prepped them, and honest to God, Amy, they glowed. They were, wow. like, alive. I, I had never seen anything like it. I I could tell the difference. I wow. could feel the difference of
1: mm-hmm. this
0: food versus something that has been grown in a monocrop and shipped cross country and never touched a human hand till maybe you know the the produce person was moving mm-hmm. it and you know I don't want to say dead food because there are nutrients in food and sometimes that's the route we have to take but I it was a, a little bit of a revelation for me to realize that this plant matter was in, was alive with the love that had been and the land that had been tended for years and years was alive with that energy and that's amazing you know plants hold energy so right oh, you can hear my train in the background here I'm <laughs> sitting outside on this gorgeous
1: blue sky autumn day in New Hampshire oh, how can you beat that oh that is one thing for sure I'm missing right now is New England fall now where are you right now Let's see. Where are we? We're in Los Angeles right now. Oh, been there. So we are not having any color change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, beautiful. Well, no. there's beauty there, right? There's so much beauty here. I mean, it's really amazing. Like going back to what you were talking about with the leaks. I just want to say before I forget, oh, yeah. like that's a sacred experience, right? That's a sacred experience. It's right. so over and above. And it's like when something like that happens, you just you feel it to your bones. Well, you know, I'm reading a beautiful book, and
0: if you'd like, I I will find the author, but it's The uh, Lost Language of Plants, Um, and, you know, the feeling that plants give us when we're around them, and the recognizing them as sentinel beings, alive mm -hmm. beings, Um, and it's, I'm crazy for it, honestly, but I love that, you know, after all of my years of dealing with food, and um, you know, I run a busy restaurant that I can still be in, in awe and learn something new mm-hmm. and be open to to what's, what's next, you know, and uh, it's very exciting. It's, a, it's an amazing That thing. sounds
1: like an amazing book. Yeah, I'll definitely put the link to that in our show notes because it's, um, it is so important to realize that. And, you know, it's something that I think we really felt that we experienced when we were gardening and even when back in the day we lived in Texas we were just changing our lifestyle we just started a small backyard garden because I thought let's let's plant some salad greens Mm -hmm. you know it was so Mm -hmm. small but just going out and harvesting that I mean I would go out and kind of weird, but I would talk to my plants. Sure. Well, that's the other thing, right? The house plants. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, the life of plants is kind of the old chronological, you know, the, the book that I go back to again and again through the years, another great, you know, plant energy book.
1: It's amazing, and it's so true. I mean, I would really notice a huge difference, and, you know, I just go out and kind of say, like, oh, this is developing, and, you know, come on, little sprout, you know. (laughs) It was kind of awesome, and then to know that that was going to go full circle and nourish my body, you know, I mean, it was just, like, really a beautiful thing, and it it was the same experience when we had the animals on the farm, you know, it was like knowing that that was going to be part of the cycle of life. And there's something really sacred and special and beautiful about that that we miss if we're just purchasing food in a grocery store, you know, from industrial means. I mean, right? it's a different energy. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very
0: excited with the new project I'm starting, and I'm, I'll give you the title. I hope it sticks, but it's called Teen Beat, B-E-E-T. Oh. Uh And I'm working with the local high school with a uh, television show for our public access station. Oh, cool. um, And it's focused on teens and uh, the story of food. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually are starting with the story of the apple, which dates back 10,000 years to one mountain ridge in China. And today there there are over well again 10,000 species of varieties of uh apples that we eat Wow. and just knowing that's food story in mm-hmm. our civilization you know and um i love that layer of it to recognize it and call it and uh and i guess when you talk about raising animals as well i think of you know that level of gratitude and respect for nourishing us that yes. that um it's kind of how I condone my meat eating when I do.
1: (laughs) Right. And you know, that was actually, um, a huge part of it for us is we, um, I talked to people a lot about the farm and and they asked me, well, you know, what did you do with the animals? And I said, well, it was an organic farm and and we had animals for food and for, um, for meat and for uh, milk and for eggs. And, um, You know, they said, well, who did your butchering? And I said, well, we learned how to process Mm -hmm. ourselves. And um, a lot of people say, well, I could never, oh, I could never do that. I love animals too much. I could never do that. And I said, you know, I thought that too. And actually the first... um, Processing workshop I attended was uh, with a friend, and it was at her farm, and she was um, butchering a rabbit, and I mm-hmm. thought I am not going to be able to do this.
0: I'm mm-hmm. not going to
1: even be able to to stand here and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was so different than I ever imagined that it would be. It, it was it was a sacred right experience, right? Because all of your energy is going towards. Not hurting right. the animal. You know, people are like, oh, I can never do that. I love animals. I can never hurt them. Me either. Right. <laughs> I could never hurt an animal. Right. Everything that you do is to not. And, you know, in all the years, I mean, we only did it for three years, but in all that time across so many different species, I never once had an animal upset, stressed. I never had oh, yeah. a, a, a scary experience. It was always a very beautiful sacred exchange and that was really powerful
0: for me right well you know one of my challenges or uh, in that world of diet is one of my dearest friends since I was a teenager is a radical vegan and um, I've always been a somewhat meat eater and Mm -hmm. I've questioned it I've gone to you know uh, conferences where I'm like, why aren't I vegetarian? You know, people are like, well, you have to learn to cook. I was like, well, I am a chef. Well, you need to find a good <laughs> health food store. It's like, well, I own one, you know, and they're like, well, we don't, you know, the vegetarians kind of shake their heads at me. But, um, I have come to the point where I believe every plant living thing, animal living thing is sacred and really Mm -hmm. you know we've lost the grace before meals but to take that moment and we do it in our family and bow your head and be grateful whether it's a plant or an animal Mm -hmm. it's all living beings and we want to you know cause no harm to any of them and I eat very little meat but I guess my next story is you know my husband had been a we ate chicken and fish for 25 years because his father died of colon cancer and he just gave up Mm. red meat and about two years ago he and my husband's a mason he moves stone and rock and climbs ladders and is very physical and in the middle of the summer he said oh i just feel like an old man i'm tired i my bones ache i'm And I went a little bit to eating right for your blood type. I was like, okay, honey, let's just take a look. And he's an O blood type, and they're meat eaters. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, now that we know where our food comes from, I said, you know, how about you just try some local beef and pork? And um, he agreed. And honest to God, it was like a back to the future transformation for him. (laughs) It was less than a week that he had this rigor in his skin tone his muscle mass increased like it was like the Hulk way it was because he is (laughs) he's active you know he's moving all the time and um unfortunately today i don't like to eat as much meat as he does and i'm i'm like oh i liked it better the old days for our daily diet but i make it work i just (laughs) you have to balance it a little bit (laughs) but you know it's not for everyone but some people in order to thrive their constitution you know, needs. I mean, now I say needs. It, he could have lived as he was, but you, he wasn't thriving. And yeah. I was on a vegetarian, right. mostly vegetarian diet, so I had to recognize that we didn't thrive on the same diet, and he mm-hmm. needed something different than I did.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And it changes over your over time. Absolutely. I mean, we always talk about eating what's right for your body, your health status right now. Exactly, I'm because crazy. it ebbs and flows. Right. And that we have different seasons to our lives. And, you know, you, you can take a very active man and put him up next to a teen girl and put that up next to, you know, a growing child, up next to a pregnant woman. Exactly. All of these people need different things. Exactly, exactly. Yes.
0: And really no judgment. You know, we do the best we can and we we have to have compassion for people. Mm-hmm. And, and fortunately, my radical vegan... Dear friend has empathy and compassion for me. <laughs> I think I sometimes I, I used to think, well, maybe I just eat meat so she'll love a meat eater, but
1: <laughs> uh, but I'm yeah. a little stubborn in my, my ways. <laughs> I love it, that's so funny. Wait, <laughs> and you guys, um, not to change topics completely, but I was thinking about um your your garden there and how it's really evolved. I mean, you do organic but you also do permaculture. Yes, yes. So yes. and actually
0: Amelia who I've mentioned um is really the catalyst for that as well. She was taking a permaculture course and needed to pick a subject for a design study, a you know, transformation and she to my benefit and our benefit chose our garden so she created this. actually she and Leslie McDonald created this beautiful um, design and I of course said we've got to do this so we implemented it and it's amazing you know I have a photograph of the first year we gardened and my pathways were about four feet wide and I think we spent more time weeding the pathways than Mm -hmm. than gardening the garden (laughs) Um, And today our pathways are enough to put a wheelbarrow down with the front wheel up. I think they're about 12 inches maybe. And Mm -hmm. we do things called keyholes where you just have an entry into a space and then it's almost like a U shape around you that you can reach um, like a three foot reach span that we use. And I think, Maybe the other thing that we've implemented that I think is the most useful is we do something called sheet mulching, Uh S-H-E-E-T, and we layer uh, uh, intentionally layer matter from a carbon layer to a decomposing layer to a straw layer, um, and we heavy mulch, and we follow the no-till method. Mm Mm-hmm. of gardening so we have not rototilled or tilled our garden in three years and for example last year we did heavy mulching in the fall so in the spring everything is broken down and ready Mm -hmm. and you literally just curl back with your fingertips your row to, to plant your seeds in there's and you might use a little hand trowel to kind of just break Mm -hmm. up the soil but it is so simple and so easy and really we would call it kind of following nature's lead really
1: exactly right there's no rototillers in nature and you know it's we we did a similar method in our garden and it was you know in in the um, late in the fall after the harvest right before we were going to put the garden to bed we would cover everything with that, you know, the leaf matter, some, Mm -hmm. yeah, the hay, Mm -hmm. anything that we had left over from, you know, our farm. And um, it was amazing in the spring to go and see how rich that soil was and how crumbly and how easy to work. And the seeds just thrive because there's all this nutrition for the seed in that soil.
0: Right. Well,
1: also one thing
0: that we do, which is critical is we give back to the soil because one of the principles is you cannot take and take mm-hmm. and take and expect something to maintain its vitality in mm-hmm. anything. Kind
1: of like the giving tree,
0: right? Exactly. So <laughs> you got to give back. You 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 are grateful that you have beautiful tomatoes, and we have we do three major crops in our garden, and then we do a a, gar, a large garlic crop, a pumpkin crop, and a tomato crop, and then flowers and herbs and greens kind of are around that but you know we have beautiful harvests and all of those nutrients are being drawn from the soil so you've mm-hmm. got to make sure you give some back and we intentionally so uh, to you know a healthy soil produces a healthy harvest so yeah. that, that component um, oh people on their motorcycle going by <laughs> here <laughs> that component is a critical um, piece of permaculture
1: Yes, well, and that's I I just love how that's such a beautiful um, metaphor for life. Really, I mean, it is all about the give and take. It is all about the relationship, and that was something about permaculture that really appealed to me um, because it was applicable not just to you know planting some salad greens. It Mm -hmm. really was how you viewed you know our whole property and how all the systems work together and. And really mimicking nature. Right, right. And thinking
0: about things as energy, and I love that, too. Um, Everything is energy.
1: Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, how much energy do you want to – one example that one of the teachers gave to me was, you know, if you're 90 years old and you want to have chickens and – have a lifestyle with a garden think about how many steps it takes to get to your chickens because when you only have a limited amount of energy you want them (laughs) if you're going to do something twice a day you want it close you know if you do something once a week it can be a little further away but kind of creating your homestead your home life or apartment dwelling really just with Mm -hmm. efficiency of energy and and honoring the energy of each thing really and make it right. simpler, so you're not killing yourself with your chickens. You know, a quarter mile away from your house. You know, it would be painful. Exactly. It wouldn't be easy.
1: No, no, and especially not in the winter because. <laughs> right. <laughs> but at one point we had over 200 animals on the farm, and digging everybody out from three feet of snow <laughs> with a hand shovel. Right. Right. Yay. I know that we've had some crazy. tough
0: winters here. We move our chickens. We actually put our chickens on a base, and we can move their coop. So we move it right up against our house for the winter and then move Very them away smart. for the summer or, you know, a little further away for the, mm-hmm. the warmer
1: months. But it makes they a can difference. And get out and yeah, yeah. check everything out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because the chickens aren't so crazy about the snow. The ducks would just run right out. But the chickens were like, uh, no, we're not coming out today. Right, right. <laughs> and, you know,
0: where we are, we have to be a little careful. We do keep them protected and um a little covered because we do have a beautiful family of hawks uh, nearby so if we let them free range too much we we draw in predators yeah you so have to kind of keep do that keep them a little close yeah yeah
1: exactly gosh it's just it's really amazing and 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 to think about you know especially for us again coming from um, the south and coming up to New England, it was so amazing to think about how vibrant things are, even through the winter, even through, you know, I mean, it was like, oh, everybody said, oh, you're moving there, it's going to be too cold, and there's going to be snow, and it's like, but that's also really beautiful, because it is all about the seasons, and it's all about the energy of that season. The rest time, you
0: know, and I, mm-hmm. I actually, one thing I do worry a little bit about, because our farmers used to get the winters off. And mm-hmm. I do worry a little bit about our farmers going year-round with no downtime. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a little break in December, but, I mean, they they can, and uh, you know, you don't want to exhaust them. And I love how our New England winters gives us that short day and dark and that long night. And we mm-hmm. read books and we knit and we rest and we don't go out a lot, you know. And so when summer comes, we're kind of yahoo, but... But it does give us that downtime that I think we all need, you know. Yeah. Whether we live in New England or not, you know, to take time to, to rest and to be and not always be producing. Cause I, I do live in a very active world with a, a big team in a restaurant and, um, you know, just a, it's important to just slow down, you know, to have a yeah. rhythm there. That I like that.
1: that. The rhythm, and, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, being in New England or being, you know, having a farm or having chickens, and I know a lot of people, that's not the reality, and for, for right. most people, that's not the reality, and so it, it really is taking that rhythm, that energy, and respecting the seasons of life where you are, and like you said, like for the, you know, moving the chickens away or doing that in an apartment with with your other belongings, it's, it's so important to sort of set up that that routine with the ebb and flow right? so well, that it feeds you. Exactly. And, you know, I
0: would almost call it, and it's funny because we are a health food store. A, I mean, we were a cafe, a restaurant, and we actually had a yoga studio for 12 years upstairs, which is now my space. We ran our program out of it. Mm-hmm. But we talk so much about mindfulness and, you know, whether or not you're in a big city or whether or not you're in in the woods, taking the time to just, you know, be in the moment, and you Mm can close your eyes if you're in a very, you know, urban setting, and just, you know, feel the earth, and breathe, and um, be in the moment, and be where you are, and and let everything buzz around you, or grow around you, whatever it happens to be, but just that, the mindset of um, being present, being mindful, being grateful, it's so much of the energy that is a part of what we might say the the local food movement allows.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's a right. gateway, in a way, to it. Yes, yep. it is. That's an excellent point.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't – I mean, and I also think if you happen to be in a cafeteria at work and the food isn't the quality you want – you say grace over that food and you be mm-hmm. grateful for the nourishment and the hands that touched it. You know, right. I think that's a, and really probably that spiritual end is something I've always carried in my business. And, you know, even whether or not it's my chefs preparing the food, we we call for a harmonious kitchen. There's no swearing. There's no yelling pan throwing and in the restaurant world that's probably more the norm but <laughs> I, and again i guess i'll mention the secret life of plants where this great uh, it is there is a doc um a documentary and i think it used to be on netflix that i've seen it yeah it's amazing uh, where they have this bowl of yogurt and they put electrodes into it and they ask a person who's standing oh no it wasn't the secret life of plants that did this it was um The one I, ooh. Uh, Anyway, the man, they say to think of something that makes you angry. And the man goes, What do you mean, my agent? And uh, happy. It's happy. Happy, okay. And that is on Netflix. The man responds, and oh, you mean my agent? And he gets all angry. And the electrodes in the yogurt respond. So, yeah. I tell my kitchen crew this story, like, the food is affected by your energy. And yeah. if you're angry and tense, the food is going to take that in. And mm-hmm. really, I say it's all about the love more than I probably should, but, um, you know it's important to be grateful and to be present and I think it's what I love about cooking is that you can't be distracted and or maybe you can but you're not going to produce I love the quiet of a kitchen preparing a mm-hmm. meal being in the moment present no distractions I'm not if I'm multitasking it might just be the saute pan and the oven and
1: right. you know <laughs> I'm not
0: trying to you know write anything and you know knit a knit something while I'm jogging or I don't know you know but just <laughs> being present and yeah. in the moment in this fast paced busy world that we live in is really the the essence of and being connected and yeah. once you start it you want more and more and I think that's the the caveat of local food is once you taste food that's been grown by somebody who's mindful and present like my leek story You know there's a difference, so you want more and you want the fresh egg because you know that chicken was nourished and fed and loved and it tastes different. It looks different. It has a higher vitality. Um, and you know, I, so many layers, I think of the water man. What is his name? You know, Masi Mako. I don't know.
1: A yes, Master right. Omoto.
0: You know, mm-hmm. when we realize that water is affected by the energy of a label, of a
1: name, of a word. Exactly. You know, and so give your water some love. I mean, it's free, right? <laughs> it's free, and it's so easy. And like you said, it brings us back to that that mindful, connected period. And, you know, again, it's not so woo-woo what we're talking about. It really is self-care. It really is being grounded. It's filling your cup yeah. back up. And, you know, we say, like, grandma's soup is, you know, the
0: best thing when you're sick. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because grandma put the love in the soup. It's Exactly. It's, um, it's the energy that we surround ourselves or we put out. And so in the movement, you know, in the inch by inch and step by step kind of how do we transform, I, I think I might say that that's like a beginning or it doesn't have to be your first step. It could be your third or maybe it's – but to kind of – um, something that doesn't cost anything. You don't have to leave your where you're sitting. You can mm-hmm. just close your eyes and breathe and be in the moment and be grateful and put both hands on your coffee cup or your tea cup or your water bottle and give it a little of this energy and that's the that's the first step. You know, mm-hmm. and and then you want you want more. That's yes. you and you taste the difference and Food that doesn't have that almost tastes kind of dead to me, and I—it's right. it, like you don't want it. You, you don't feel the nourishment. You don't feel the love, and um, so you're not drawn to it. Sometimes you don't even want to eat it. So, right. and I don't think it's elitist at all. I'm a very common man person, and actually, when you talked about lunch, it's why I do bowls of soup is because I want my food accessible to the common man and mm-hmm. i want even my our local dinner plate um sometimes it's a birthday meal for some cuz it might be 40 dollars a person at the end of your meal but um it's it's the it's what it really costs to put that on the plate it's not elevated like 120 dollars for that same plate you know right um right. so you just um you make that pot of soup and you 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 stretch your money but you don't compromise your quality and, and I that's think that's, that's where – that's my shtick really is, you know, I would rather sacrifice than compromise any day of the week. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And it really is about um, – I mean, it's, it's a whole uh, – how do i say it it's just very holistic like it's, it goes through everything that you do it's not just the food it's not just your living environment it's your entire demeanor your mindset your way you approach life with a lot of integrity with a lot of that connection with a lot of that reverence you know it really affects everything that you do yeah i i thank so you I, I
0: i think anyone uh, really and I know some, once I did an introduction to one of our guest speakers and someone said, gee, you could be a a minister. And I was like, well, (laughs) maybe I'm the minister of food, but,
1: uh, I like that,
0: (laughs) but I just think it's so, I don't know what it all comes from. I, I just think it's maybe little lessons along the way and noticing the difference. And maybe often I have taken that path less trodden, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, because it, it, maybe appears more beautiful to me and I'm willing to take the risk and or the leap of faith. Um, but I have never been failed. Honestly, I have um, every time I am just enriched and in awe really of what the beauty that is around us. And and even really, you know, if we were to say um, looking at our supermarkets, because in permaculture they say the problem is the solution uh, and mm-hmm. i thought about this around supermarkets and food i'm like well if mass processed food is the problem and if the problem is the solution you know what i came to amy was realizing that the distribution of processed food is is an amazing endeavor of of trucking and busing and and so you know we worry about how to get local food to more people and i'm like well maybe there's something there you know i i try to be open-minded and not think i'm Mm -hmm. never going in a supermarket again you know maybe supermarkets have more local food and it's the next beginning and you start at that bin when you go into the supermarket and um you know i used to when supermarkets were kind of at their peak and I use that, you know, mounds of red, delicious apples that were in this tier, perfect pyramid and they were shellacked and shiny. And we were in awe of it. We we're like, oh my God, look at this. Look at it. <laughs> and today I would rather have a bruised, fragrant, organically grown, uh, you know, maybe it has some spots on it, some, um, uh, and I would rather eat that apple. So I, I look at food differently. So when you go to the bin in the supermarket and the organic doesn't look as good, give it a chance because what's behind that um, layer is a food that probably is grown with more mindfulness and integrity and a m- more vital earth um energy or nutrition nutritional value and Mm -hmm. all of that so you know don't and so much taste variety right right so much variety when we first opened our natural foods market 20 years ago 95 um, and i was so blessed that i could get my food and go home and feed my family all organic and i can remember the root vegetables were what i noticed the biggest difference the potatoes and the carrots and I guess potato isn't a root, it's a tuber, but things grown under the earth.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think
0: that's, you know, for many years, people say, well, I can't afford organic and carrots are where I say to begin, or I recommend. And maybe it's the same in the local food world, you know, begin with something that um, you can afford, that the cost of a carrot is not a meat, you know, which is challenging. But the more I think... You know, the more it's supported, then the price point declines because,
1: you know, it is supply and demand, right? It is. It so is. And that's why, you know, we were talking about the the supermarket and, and that notion that, it, you know, the solution may lay there. It's so interesting because um, I was just at a conference this past weekend and I attended a lecture about – kind of the homogenization of the organic movement and how the big companies are coming in and buying up some of these smaller organic companies. You know, we talked about General Mills with Annie's and um, and different things like that. And it was like, you know, and I think Hormel bought Applegate. And there's been a lot of that going on. And it's like, I think yeah. a lot of fear in the organic movement was this is going to be compromised, this is going to be whatever. But a lot of what we were talking about is, you know, the organic movement sort of needed that cash infusion. Yeah. And it it sort of needed those distribution channels. It sort of needed the the ability to produce. It's just like what we were producing is changing from, you know, it's not the processed cereals, it's, you know, organic foods and even though that's still well, you know, yes, it's processed. One so of my so. catalysts for change
0: in 2010 was I did a timeline on the natural foods movement and Through that and through mergers and acquisitions, I saw that General Mills had bought out Muir Glen Cascadian Mm -hmm. Farms, that the labels in my natural foods market were owned by major manufacturers, and I didn't even know it at that time. I mean, I knew Tom's Toothpaste, and I knew a few, but I did a little more research, and things like Odeos that were owned by Cascadian Farms. Increased in sugar. with, And really, the thing that drives me crazy Mm. is there was never any change in any of those labels. You know, Santa Cruz's Knudsen are all owned by Smuckers. Uh, They Mm -hmm. went into all the fruit juices and the fruits. Now, I do believe that it is a supportive way of the organic movement. And actually, I just went with a family member who wanted to go to Costco. I don't get out much, honestly. It's ridiculous. But (laughs) I went and I was shocked at how much organic there was. There was organic meat, there was organic lettuce, there was organic guacamole. I mean, and... It's incredible. I think it's a great thing. Um, It is also, the flip side of it, makes me want to support the sustainable small farmer who might not be certified organic, but is kind of bucking the FDA by not wanting Mm -hmm. to play the game. So I guess that's the door that it's open for me is I'm willing to... Uh, there's, I, I was really challenged actually at one point, okay, I bought organic carrots from California for 15 years. Do I buy local not-organic carrots now to support the local movement? I mean, ideally I want local organic, which is right. what we do number one in our market. But then I met the family of the Monahans who they are third-generation fruit growers near us. And I said, I'm in a dilemma. You know, I want to support you, but I prefer organic. And they're like, well, we live here, and pesticides are expensive, and we don't use any more than we absolutely have to, and we use because it goes into our well water. I mean, they're educated mm-hmm. enough to realize right. that they're – and not that I even – I would prefer they be organic, but, you know, it's all – a, you know, it's something – sometimes we're hardcore, and sometimes we have to open a little bit of a door. and. Yes. Kind of say, you know, um, I guess, you know, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing, you yeah. know, how, what methods do you use? And um, because in the organic world, Roundup is an approved layer of an organic label. So it's not like it's 100% clean like people think it right. might be. Right.
1: Yeah. No, so it, it's kind so of educating
0: much. yourself and making the best choice that you can in the moment where you are. Um,
1: yeah, where you are. And that's the thing. It's like there's so many families that have been able to buy organic now because it's at Costco sure. and because it's more affordable. And sure. I fully support that. I think that's um, amazing. And we've always sort of had a foot in both sides where it's like, yeah, I will shop at the farmers markets. I will go to the farms, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes very far to go to the farms, but we've still gone and filled in the gaps at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or, you know, now Costco. And especially as we travel around the country, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've gone to as many markets as I can. I've tried to tap in, in the movement um, where I am, but when we're there for a week, at, you know, I'll su- support the local natural food store, but when I really need to restock our kitchen... It's so easy to go to a Whole Foods or, or even some of the local – we were in this one little tiny town, and it was the local grocery store, and that's the only option. But there yes. were so many organics. We were able to get what we needed. It, was it everything on my list? No. Right. But we were able to get what we needed, well, and I think that that was huge. Yes, and there are those food deserts, and you have to have empathy
0: for people who you know, have limited choices or limited funds. And right. so I, I guess – and I think in my world, I, you know, I would love to have done a chronological order of my um, refrigerator mm-hmm. <laughs> because it has changed over the years. I mean, you know, I think one of the last things to go was, you know, Newman's own salad well, – dressing, maybe I can't say that, but salad dressing. You know, I haven't bought a salad dressing in years, but, I mean, there's certain things that, you know, as we – um, make changes. You make one change. You get comfortable in it. You add another layer. You add mm-hmm. another layer. So right. you, it doesn't all change in a day. And
1: you just. Well, it has to do with your season. You know, when yeah. you, if you have three or four small kids at home, and you have a sixty-hour work week, or a spouse that has a sixty-hour work week, your your time is going to be different than if you've been able to carve out a little more, a little more time, and a little more calm. Right. Um, you know, it's just doing what you can in the moment with what you've got. Right, right. And I think, you know, putting a
0: little priority on your food. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, we, we haven't even gone into the world of plastics. But, you know, educating yourself. You know, take the time to watch that baguette documentary. Mm-hmm. I could put one out there. And just educate yourself and then make an educated choice. Right. Because if, and really I use the word ignorant, ignorance is uneducated, and mm-hmm. so to to try to make a knowledgeable choice so that, you, you know, when you're faced with the decision of A or B or, you know, there's always the joke uh, the, the person sent the husband to the grocery store to pick up a dozen eggs and he left because he couldn't figure out which one he was supposed to get, you know, I mean, cause there's so many, you know, is it free there's range? so many choices, it, you know, which one is it, you know, I don't understand. And I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, if you have right. no idea what the best one is, you're dumbfounded by the variety so, yeah. you know, you just want to take it in small steps and small bites, but to to not be just complacent, right? Isn't it? No. You know,
1: no. Uh, no. Absolutely, Tracy, and, you know. <laughs> and always be, you know, like we said, you know, the education, the the documentaries whatever, those are very cheap if not free in many cases. And so That's there's right. a lot of things that we can do to educate ourselves so that like you said, we know when we have a choice, because sometimes we don't even know if we have a choice. So you know that you have a choice, and then you can choose something else. And and many times, choosing those renewable or recycled or whatever options are even more affordable, right. um, if not food. for just a little bit more effort. Yeah,
0: pot of lentil soup, right? I mean,
1: mm-hmm, 69 right. cents
0: for a pound of lentils, you know, are, are really kind of something you can do to maybe offset the, I, I would say, you know, go for higher quality meat, but eat less of it, you know, right. and that's kind of, um, I guess the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, ignorance is bliss, really, because if you don't know, it's, it's like easy to kind of ha- eat something, you know, but it's a dangerous place to be. And that's where
1: I to say it hurts you in the long term. That's the thing.
0: Right, right. So you want to educate yourself. And I think the, you know, we'll use food ink again. I mean, I have some vivid memories of that documentary where i never knew it was that bad i mean it was kind of like i knew it was bad but i had no idea it was that bad and it changed my life so i mean maybe you say once a week or once every other week or once a month you watch a food doc you force yourself to watch a food documentary to educate yourself
1: um, and I think make a they're better fascinating. choice. Mm-hmm. I think they're fascinating. I think, you know, I mean, absolutely. That was one of our first um, tools was the different documentaries, food documentaries, environmental documentaries, sure. and with Netflix and right. I mean, local libraries, it's also accessible. Um, and I've learned so much through those experiences that it's like, wow. And, you know, at first, I think anybody that starts changing the way that they live at first it is overwhelming and it seems like you know oh my gracious like we're up against this huge force but it
0: hasn't been that many years you know my timeline I mean it was 50s 60s that the whole natural food movement reacted in a very quick way to you know DDT and Mm PPEs and um, I guess one documentary, we have done a few upstairs um, where we have a, a lecture after, I mean, a conversation after, mm-hmm. because love sometimes that. people need to talk about it to figure out what to do. But Queen of the Sun is another oh, one that beautiful. really, uh, I had no idea, you know, how, I mean, and I think it's, I don't want to go into it, but that would be one that maybe is a, a nice approach to looking at our whole food system without getting you know you're not seeing animals slaughtered or things like that right. but the impact of the bees um on our diet and also the environment on the bees you know it's just a it's kind of a mind-boggling um whole story but it's a beautiful documentary that I've it had. is a beautiful documentary
1: in. And I just, you know, I think so much that it feeds you in so many different ways, you know. And I think that, you know, again, that's in our practice and in our website, everything, we always take the holistic approach. It's never one thing. It's how it all works together. It's looking at the entire system, you know. And so how are you feeding yourself with food? But how are you feeding yourself with thoughts and emotions and what? You know, what entertainment are you using and what people are you interacting with and what toxins are in your personal care products? And it is such a a step-by-step process. It's such a a one-thing-at-a-time process. Sometimes it moves faster for people. Sometimes it moves slower. Sometimes you get to a place where you go, I'm good here. I'm comfortable. I don't want to change anything for a bit. Um, And sometimes you're like, I want to keep going. I want to keep going fast.
0: But it is, I I truly uh, believe and agree that it's an inch by inch process. Mm -hmm. It's nothing that changes in a day. You make one small choice, make one change and get comfortable in that and then take it to the next level and take it to the next. And it's, you'll feel the difference with the first step, but it's, uh, I think gradual is the healthy way to go. I think it yeah. um you really kind of make it fit into your lifestyle and nice. and again, I guess I go back to you know really something as simple as the energy behind how you approach your food with gratitude and reverence uh plant or animal and um and it all kind of branches out from there,
1: yeah, it so does, and that 's so beautiful, and I think. It's so accessible for so many people, and, 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 you know, it's kind of that ripples in a pond. It's like once you make that one change, it builds on another, and you never know who else you're influencing. Right, right. Because you might be inspiring another person to do the same. You might be influencing a farmer's family. You might be influencing, you know, just a little bit less of a pesticide that's going to help a bee, that's going to help. I mean, it's definitely cumulative.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I totally agree.
1: Beautiful. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, this is just my pleasure. You know, Amy. we could talk about this forever because we could nerd out to <laughs> <laughs> nutrition <laughs> and energy. Hot, and- <laughs> odd, right? <laughs> I love well, it. thank you.
0: Here's my little traffic rolling by here. I apologize for the background. Right? But um, really, thank you. It was a pleasure to connect. And I love uh, watching your trail blaze across the country and (laughs) scope out good food along the way and um really I think to just um honoring where we are and and you know resolving to get better and not be complacent and educating ourselves I guess is really how it all you know where the the hokey pokey comes from or how
1: we we exactly right That magic. Um, Well, we are going to again have everything about hashtag change one thing. Okay. We're going to put some ideas on there, and I think that's going to be phenomenal. So thanks again so much for being. My
0: best to you, and be safe out there.
1: Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye -bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, and please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.